Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With multiple campuses existing within Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Good morning. What a great day for us to be together as we celebrate, uh, certainly Mother's Day and honor our moms. And also what I want to do, we're in, a, in the middle of a series uh, we're calling Radical. We're exploring the, the activity of the gospel. What does it mean? What should um, our, our faith, our belief in the gospel, our trust in the gospel, what should it mean to the way we arrange and live our lives? And we're, we're talking about this idea that um, we, we, the language of love is that we, we serve, we give ourselves um, on behalf of other people. And the challenge you know, in this isn't to find the needs that need to be met, but it's really to find, be the kind of people for us to be full enough so we can freely give of ourselves. I wanna take this kind of point uh, in this season. I wanna talk about um, generational responsibility and what it really means to sort of arrange our lives or organize our lives for the sake of the future. Um, you know, much, much, of my, most, much of my life, um, just from uh, the beginnings of this church and just my, the way I think, I tend to live in the future. Um, I enjoy very much uh, thinking about things that are to come and uh, et cetera. And, but in this season of my life, I've been thinking a lot about where we've been. Uh, this uh, coming October, we will uh, celebrate 24 years as a church. Um, I've been here all 24 years, which is pretty, pretty crazy to think about. And um, thinking a lot about the beginnings of our church. When we started Port City, uh, we, were in a, uh, we were in a home with about 20, um, probably about six families. So it was like a group of uh, adults and then some uh, kids, uh, high school kids. And then um, we went to Roland Grice Middle School and we started in Roland Grice Middle School. There was probably about 20 adults. We, just, we used to call them adults with jobs because that's what mattered. Uh, about 20 adults with jobs, and then all these college students. And I was, uh, I had just turned, I was 29, just turned 30 years old. I looked about 12. And um, so I always dressed to try to act like I was 40 because you had to, you know, I needed some people who like could believe that we were actually gonna be a church. And so everybody would just say, oh, you are a church for college students. You are a church for college students. And, um, you know, even in those very early days, when we thought about being a church of, of college students, we weren't a church um, you know, for college students. We were a church um, of college students. Like people were showing up here and it was always about, I remember, it was always about thinking about the next generation. It wasn't just about reaching college students. It was always about making sure that our eyes were on the generations that were to come. This is 24 years ago. We didn't have good language for this. I just remember very, very vividly, very specifically talking about this. We are not a church for college students. We're a church that's concerned for the generations to come. It just so happens that we were only one generation ahead of that generation behind us. And, um, you know, since then, you know, we've, we've uh, built and a lot of things have, have happened. But some of the core ideas that came uh, about who we've become were sort of cemented in those early days. One of the other things that you would hear often, people come and say, because um, we have our, our grow zone, which is our birth through four-year-olds, uh, met in a cafeteria. And um, one of the earliest um, uh, services we had, uh, we actually had a kid wander out of the cafeteria. I was, we were in the closing song of the service. I was sitting on the front row and the little kid just comes walking out on the stage. 
I'm like, I don't think it's supposed to be happening. So, I just, so we got a lot of grow zone volunteers on that day, man, because if kids are escaping, we need people in there. And, um, but we were, we, were, um, we were just always focused. I remember we used to say this, one of our, our original grow zone director, her name is Donna Piner. She would say, um, we don't have nursery. We don't have nursery. She was an education uh, major. She was a teacher. And she would say, we don't have nursery. She said, do you realize that birth through four years old is the single most developmental season of a human being? There is no point in a human's life where they're gonna develop faster and more than in those first four years of their lives. And we get a chance to invest in that. We are not nursery. We are the ones who get to expose them to trust and safety and care of the church in really profound and meaningful ways. We don't just sort of babysit so that parents can come and do big church. There's a vision behind what we're trying to do to invest in the lives of our students to invest in the lives of the next generation, to ensure that who we become, right, is sufficient and can be carried on by the generations that are yet to be born. It was always this way from the very beginning. In fact, it's really interesting, there's pictures now of this happening. There were college students who were in this very first service. Clay is one of them, Clay and Courtney. I thought they were there, they were, Clay and Courtney were both freshmen in college uh, in those first years of the church. And Clay is now our campus pastor here. He's like a grown adult. Uh, he's been married. Uh, his daughter is about to graduate from high school. So you're seeing this sort of continue on and they still, there's still belief in what we're doing and investment in these next places. And this requires us to uh, consider what it means, right? To take responsibility for the next generation. We weren't just trying to prioritize college students or even the next generation, but what I think this is really about it's a generational responsibility that we have to each other. One of the things that we have said over the last few weeks is that the foundation of God's love, right? Who he is and his image and, and all those things encompassed in his love is the only foundation that is sufficient for the fullness of the human experience for us to become. And God's love has a, as an image bearing, it has a, a picture to it and it's generational. God's love is expressed uh, and it has a generational expression and it requires generational responsibility. And this is something that I, I think in our culture has just gotten lost. And it's, it's something that we hold, we hold as a core tenet of what we believe and how we've operated. And it's, it's more essential today than I think it's ever been. And so I want for us to get some vision for this and to consider some things about this and how we develop leaders and develop people and what it means for you and for your leadership and for your influence to become important what's happening in our church, no matter how old you are. As people age, right, we get afraid that we're gonna become less and less relevant. And I get it, um, that's actually true. And so we've got to find ways to honor and to hold purpose and to allow the investments and the wisdom and all the experience of the generations ahead of us to, in, in, uh, to impact and make a difference. And we have to make sure that as younger generations that we're learning from the older generations, there are things we need to learn. One of the things that we have been saying is, right, we want to prepare our church for the next generation. The next generation does things differently than our generation and your generation, perhaps if you're older than me, has done. We have to prepare our church to handle all those things and all those different perspectives and all the different ways of doing things to, to come into the church. But we also have to prepare the next generation for the church. There are things the next generation you guys need to learn from us. There's wisdom that we've gained and things that we've done and there's a culture that you're stepping into and we want you to be responsible for it. But it requires both of these things to happen to cooperate 
together. And so one of my favorite kind of images of leadership development is this. I want to put this picture on the screen. Um, this is one of the best pictures of leadership development I can find. You can put that picture up there. I think we'll have it. Maybe. It's the drums. Um, there we go. This has been a very nostalgic um, week for me. My oldest daughter celebrates her first Mother's Day. Our grandbaby's about to be one year old. It has been the most fun watching her and Carson, Madison and Carson, just be parents and all of that. And this is my youngest daughter, Michaela. And she graduated, uh, she's the one in the middle in charge, in case you can't tell. Um, but she graduated with her master's degree yesterday from UNCW, so we are done with the college years. And I think she was, she's gonna correct me after this, but I think she was probably six in this picture uh, with the cool Uggs and the big hair bow. And she is six years old, uh, maybe seven volunteering uh, in Grow Zone. So these are all like four-year-olds. And if you look at them closely, they are all in. And she is in charge. She still does this to this day. And this is the picture because, listen, at seven, six years old, she doesn't know everything that she needs to know to do all the things that she needs to do, but she knows enough to invest in the people that are right behind her. And you, all of a sudden you have a person who learns to grow that all you have to do is to sort of take what you have and begin to offer it for the sake of other people. And that's how you grow and that's how you learn. That's how leaders are developed. That's how leaders, it's what discipleship actually is. It's not about getting your cup. It's just about having your cup full enough to give to somebody else. It's about learning how to live fully so we can just offer what we have to somebody else. And this has been the picture of what our church has been throughout the whole time. There were things when I was 29 years old, 30 years old, I did not know. I did not understand, did not have, but somehow you just keep offering and keep offering and somehow God keeps filling. And before you know it, you find there's just a sufficiency, not only a sufficiency in me, but a sufficiency in us, in us. And if you were to walk in, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in all of our facilities where Leland is out of the ground, if you've seen the pictures or not, we'll show this in a couple of weeks, but Leland, uh, the building in Leland um, is up out of the ground. They're starting in on the interior. It's, it's really, it's, it's incredible. But two thirds of the spaces in this building and our building in Leland are devoted to children and students. There's a reason for that. Everything that we have done is targeted, right? To continue to make sure that we build. And what, what, if you were to walk through any of our ministries from our Grow Zone, Tsunami, Treasure Island, Ripple Effect, um, Overflow, what you will find is a lot of students involved in all of these ministries. And this is a great thing. And they carry enormous responsibility in what they do. And what we need, right? We need people who are older, people who've been on the earth for a while, who have some wisdom and experience to be there with them. And people say all the time, oh, you gotta be really, I'm not cool enough to be uh, in ripple effect. I'm not cool enough to be in tsunami. I told my kids they were growing up, I was cool long before you were here. You don't get to tell me what cool is or not cool, right? <laughs> and so we just inject cool onto them and they'll catch up one day. But, but it's a myth. You don't have to be cool. What you need to be is you need to be present. Show up. What you do when you show up is you carry, right? You buttress. You help to shoulder responsibility and you share an experience together. Most of what my kids have experienced at this church, the programs have been great, all the things have been great, but most of it has been the shared experience with people who are older than them. Small group leaders that they had in middle school in those critical years. Right, someone who is an adult in their grow zone room so she could sit there and be in charge, right? But was helping 
and buttressing and shouldering, helping her carry responsibility that she couldn't yet really fully carry. I got a guy a couple of months ago. He's like, hey, man, I want to work in grows and I can't get on the floor like I used to. It's like, no, we need your wisdom. We need your presence. We need you there shouldering and buttressing. All these things matter in developing and ensuring the next generation. I want to read this passage to you. Uh, this comes from uh, Deuteronomy chapter Six is the Israelites are about to prepare to go on the promised land. They're, they're, they're coming, they're, they're getting ready to take this next season. And this is, this is Moses instructing, this is God's instructions for this people as they prepare to acclimate into a new way of life. And so Deuteronomy chapter six, this is one of the places where my personal vision for my family and what I became, what came to be, what I believe the vision for a family is, and now really is expanded out to our church. But this is Deuteronomy chapter six, verses one through three. And Moses has gotten this group together and he's giving these commands. And he says, these are the commands, the decrees and the laws of the Lord, that the Lord your God has directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So this is, this is what you need to know. And here's why you need to know it, verse two. So that, so that, so that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy a long life. Did you catch that? The so that, the reason this is important, so that your children and their children will get this. It goes on verse three, hear O Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors has promised you. He's just connecting it to the ones who've gone before and the ones who are coming after. So I began to noodle on this. When my kids were very small, I tried to get a vision for this. And it, this, this passage is where my personal conviction came from, that the family ensures that my children's children will know God as God. And my children's children, you realize where the fulfillment of my effectiveness lies. It's not in my kids, it's in my grandkids. And it's not just, it's not just mom and dad and 2.5 kids, right? That's not, even a, that's not even the norm anymore. That's de decreasing in our culture. And what we have to begin to, to, to think about, this is about us as a church. The success of our church isn't how big we are, how we do in the next six months or 12 months or two years or when I retire. The effectiveness of our church will be realized two generations from now. We have to have vision for that. It's a much longer, a much slower, a much more intricate way of thinking about things. But this is what I believe. And this is how we are going to operate as a church, that our effectiveness is going to be realized after I am gone, after most of us who are my age and up are, gone, are not here, two generations from us. The kids in Grow Zone, right? What they are doing with what has been built in these places, that's where our real effectiveness will be measured, which means we gotta invest. There's a lot of things that have to happen. This is dependence, this is allegiance. The language of our investment has to be cooperative, it has to be relational. Listen to how this unfolds and continues to unfold in Deuteronomy 6, start picking up back up in verse four. This is one of their sort of core uh, mantras that they would say and recite. They would roll it up on little scrolls and they would do different things that you'll hear in this passage. Verse four, Deuteronomy chapter six is known in, in the uh, Hebrew uh, culture as the Shema, Jewish culture as the Shema. It's hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today, they're to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. This isn't passive. You work, you teach, you instruct, you think, you grow, you share. You impress them on your children. You talk about them when you're at home and when you are along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. This will be the normal course of your day. You make this normal. One of the things that I try to do when my kids were, were young is you just gotta get very, very interested in all the things that are interesting. It's, it's interesting. It's easy to bemoan the generations behind us. Well, they don't know music like we did and they don't know this like we did, but you gotta get interested. You, have you seen Taylor Swift? They do know music like we did, right? It's pretty good. And so, so there's, this, there's this sense that you have to continually like learn and get really curious. One of my mantras for parenting was you gotta be able to talk, about, talk to your kids about anything so you can talk to them about everything. There's gonna come a day when you're gonna have to talk to your kids about the most awkward things and you wanna, that doesn't need to be the first conversation you have. You need to know about all the things they're thinking and feeling and wanting and dreaming. And when their friends are at your house, you sit on the floor and you ask them about their music and you ask, get really curious. What I have found and where I'm at in my season of life uh, today, I'm in meetings, a lot of meetings, and most of the meetings that I'm in and we're working on the ones that aren't, but most of the meetings that I'm in have representatives of people in their 20s in there all the time. The interns at our church, college students, we get, they inject perspective and wisdom into the way that we think and see and how we operate. These are extremely important to how we are. It's as you go, as the day-to-day -day course of your life unfolds, he says, take these commands, verse eight, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on your door frames. Don't forget them. When the Lord your God brings you into the land uh, which he swore to his fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you a land with large flourishing cities. I love this. Flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. When you eat and you are satisfied, when you inherit all these great things from people who have given themselves before you and you've eaten and been satisfied, do not forget where you came from. Do not forget that it was God who did this. All the things that we get to enjoy, all the things that we get to do are built on the sacrifices and the offerings of people who've come behind us and the faithfulness of God to his people and them to him. And so I just wanna have this picture in our head, because one of the things that, that I, I think, then this is just the best way us to draw this, as people continue to sort of bemoan this generation gap that we have, and you can call whatever generation it is, generation, you know, whatever the one before, generation uh, X, the generation Z, or whatever, whatever, you know, all the different terms that we use, whichever one, whatever this gap is, everybody tries to figure out this. And what we do is we find someone cool in this generation and we go, hey, you, you cool generation, dude, you be the person who leads that generation. You just sort of subcontract this to the next generation. And I, 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 you can't do that. The, the language of this is you walk together and you talk together and you learn together and it's cooperative and it's relational. And the way you solve the generation gap is by making sure that they overlap. If you're in this generation, you have to work to understand this generation. If you're in this generation, you have to work to understand this generation. And the way you do that is by doing things together, by doing things together. And let me assure you, when you do things with people in the generation behind you, 
You can guarantee they will not do things the way that you would do it. We've been working on succession for a long time here at the church and there's a lot of decisions, a lot of decisions and directions that are being made and shaped by a lot of younger leaders in our church. And let me assure you, they do not do it the way that I would do it. They do not make the same decisions that I would. That is very, very, very difficult. What I've learned is that most of the time they do it better. They love what is happening in their church. And they are as committed to their church as we are, right? That's, that's the mindset. We have to keep you know, hammering this and driving this. It makes a profound difference. Um, one of our children's, our children's pastor, Rich Biagini, was downtown and there was, they were out by a church that had recently closed. There was a sign, a plaque out there, and it talked about this vision for the future on this little plaque of this church that was now about to have its last service. And it recalled, or we were talking about this in the hallway, and he said, it reminds me of a quote from a book that he had just recently read. And the quote is this, that a church is only as strong as its youngest members. He said, in other words, a church is only as strong as our willingness to prioritize the generations to come. And make no mistake about it, this is a challenging season, not only of our church, but in our world. And we need great leaders so we have to start with great leaders. We need adults. We need some of you who have prowess and experience and leadership and concern in these places, not to take over, but to bring your presence to buttress, to shoulder, to help. We need every generation doing this on a consistent basis because when multi-generations serve together, when we serve together, when we share, when we do this together, our mission, our vision becomes a tangible Reality lived out within this particular place or these places where we meet and gather and worship, but it also happens in our homes and then it spills out beyond that into every sphere in our city, our region, and I believe around the world. And what we learn is we learn to shoulder the responsibility as we share the experience. And if you're here, I would just encourage you to get involved in some way. This is the fastest and easiest way for you to connect. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. If you do that and you've been burned out or burned, we will support you. And it's a place for you to be surrounded and sort of held as you learn and how to trust. That's an important part, right? Part of this is we have to learn how to trust each other as we find a sense of shared responsibility. So I'm gonna invite Danny and Matt in Newburn and Leland to come up to uh, your stages and you guys are gonna have a chance to lead your congregations in your next steps. And thank you guys all so much for being with us today.